0: I want us to really see that, even as this Christmas season, as um, we are now into it, as we have just had our Winterfest and our parade in town. So if you have your Bibles this morning, let's spend a few moments in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, and I believe it's going to be on the screen, but maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Philippians chapter 2. In verse 1 is where we're going to be reading. We're going to read the first 11 verses. And I know you're probably thinking as you're turning to Philippians, why are we in Philippians and not going to Matthew or Luke? We are in the Christmas season. Well, hold on and I, we'll find out why. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself Amen. Isn't that a great verse? The year was 1847 in France. A commissioner of wine, Mr. Poulousade Capot, was asked by his priest to write a poem from the, for the upcoming Christmas Eve service. And on a rough carriage ride to Paris, Capot imagined himself as a witness to this birth of Jesus the wonder of that glorious moment came as he rode to Paris that night, as he began to write the song of Christmas. By now, if you have had your radio on in your car or in your home, or you have begun Christmas shopping at your favorite store, unless your favorite store is online, you might not have heard the song, O Holy Night. In the first stand, Capo invites us to imagine the world before the birth of Jesus. He says it is a world that lay in sin and error pining. The word pining here refers to the wasting away of the human spirit as it grieves, as it endures pain. In other words, he paints a picture Of a world of darkness without light. A world of despair without hope. But then comes those next three words. Till He appeared. For when Jesus appeared, everything changed. In 1931, Northwest Nazarene University in Nampa, Idaho... Be, when it began the present dr russell delong was at a meeting with the chairman of the accreditation committee and asked him to state the purpose of this institution without a moment's hesitation dr delong said the purpose of this institution is to change the world Taken back by that response, the committee members said, You don't understand. I know that influence in the world is the general purpose of all education. But I'm asking you specifically, what is the purpose of this school? And again, Dr. DeLong stated, the purpose of our school is to change the world. And isn't that why Jesus came to this earth To change the world? At no time of the year are we more reminded of just how much he has changed it than at Christmas time. In any of Paul's writing, does Paul ever tell us the story of Christmas? Martin, does he? You're famous of Philippians. Does he ever say anything about the Christmas story? No, he leaves it to Matthew and he leaves it to Luke. But here in the passage that we just read, Paul just does actually tell us of the glorious Christmas. He tells us why the night on which Jesus was born was such a holy night. And how to respond to it. Are you aware that there is no recorded birth in Scripture after the birth of Jesus? Did you know that the last genealogy listed in the New Testament is that of Jesus? That is because the entire Bible from Genesis to Malachi points to the birth and the name of Jesus. Paul doesn't give us any details about Jesus' birth. He leaves that to Matthew and Luke. But Matthew and Luke look at the birth of Jesus as a historical event that it is. But Paul gives us some theological truth in it. In verse 6, we see there that Jesus was and is God. Who, being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Here, Paul wholeheartedly declares that Jesus is God. In Matthew chapter 1, an angel appeared to Joseph, and Joseph finds out, That Mary was pregnant. And it says that Joseph plans to divorce her quietly. But an angel tells him that this child is to be named Jesus. For he would save his people from their sins. The angel said that Jesus would be called Emmanuel. God with us. We see in John chapter 1 that it begins with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was and still is God. Jesus was not in any danger of losing His position in the triune Godhead. He didn't have to worry about losing anything in His divinity. He is God. Jesus has existed as God for all of eternity. He will and continue to exist as God for the rest of eternity. He is God. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? In John 17, Jesus says, as he's praying for you and he's praying for me. He says my prayer for them, for all of them is that, that they will be one. Just as you and I are one. Why is this important? I had a conversation with someone recently. Who refused to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. This man told me his story. This man's father had died when he was young. He later began to go to church with his grandmother. And he understood and he believed everything he was told until it came to the point where Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave three days later. This man told me that he knew that his father had died and wasn't coming back. He said to me that it's impossible for a man to die and come back to life. This man said at this point, that's when I began to reject all of Christianity and now I am an atheist. Sadly, this man that I had this conversation with did not understand is that the man Jesus did die, but he rose again, but he was no ordinary man. This man Jesus was fully God. He didn't understand that it was not just that Just a man rose from the dead, but it was the one who has the power of God because he is God to have power over death, hell and the grave and rise from the dead on the third day. The fact that Jesus was God also meant that he could not sin. As Jesus was not born from a union of man and a woman, he did not inherit the sin nature of Adam. Instead, Jesus inherited the divine nature of the father. Although he was tempted, he was perfect and he never sinned. He was able to be the lamb without blemish, needed to save us from our sins. But not just us, whosoever, whosoever. In verse seven, we see where Paul says Jesus became a man. It says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. At Christmas, we celebrate the coming of God to dwell with his people. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. The amazing concept of Christmas is that God left the, from a place of glory in the heavens, in the presence of all the angels, a place where he was constantly being worshipped and adored. And he came to this earth as a man. He was the all-powerful powerful God who performed mighty deeds all through the Old Testament. He was the God that sent the plagues and parted the Red Sea. He was the God that provided manna to the people in the wilderness. He was the God that made the sun stand still for Joshua. He was the God that brought dry bones back to life. He was the God that brought that big fish to Jonah when Jonah needed it the most. And despite all of this, all that he had done, Jesus was willingly to leave his place in heaven to come to us first as a baby, born in humble circumstances, born in a manger. He empties himself of his divine privileges and applies limitations to himself. There was never a time when Jesus wasn't God. But he emptied himself of the privileges as deity. Those shepherds that came at the birth of Jesus were the lowest of the low. Jesus deserved for all the rulers of the world to be present at his birth. But he didn't force anybody to come. He was willing to be born in a filthy barn. Jesus grew up as an unknown carpenter. In Nazareth. He could have made himself. As something on this earth. As he rightly was. But he didn't. He didn't have a shining light. Set around him like we see in pictures. He didn't wear a halo. Around his head as he walked around. He didn't stand out from other men. It wasn't until right before Jesus gets arrested. Outside the garden of Gethsemane. This is when Jesus prays again in John 17, that his glory would be restored. He says, and now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Not only did Jesus come as a man, but he came as a servant. He could have come as a king, but he came as a lowly servant. Isaiah writes about it in chapter 11. He says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. Jesse was a humble farmer. But his family line had, had kings throughout his son David. Although Jesus was from the Davidic line on both Mary and Joseph's side, he was born and he lived in the circumstances of Jesse, a peasant, a farmer. It is so significant that Jesus came as a man. He came to dwell with us as one of us for a purpose. And yet he lived a perfect life. He showed us what God is like. But He came, as Mark chapter 10 tells us, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus was born to die. In verse 7 and 8, it tells us that Jesus died on the cross. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He humbled himself to death, even to death on the cross. Death is a humiliating kind of thing, isn't it? Death is not natural for us. God did not create us to die. He created us to live forever We die, though, because of the sin nature that we have. Death came from sin of one man, Adam, and it passed down to all of us. It's not natural. You and I were born to live. But when God took on flesh and he was born as a baby, he was born to die He came to this earth for the purpose of his death. He did not have to come as a man, but he chose to. Jesus knew that mankind was separated from him by sin. Because he's a holy God. And he knew that man could do nothing on our own. To bring ourselves to become holy. John explains how God's love was revealed to us. In First John chapter 4, when he says, this is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus chose to leave the glories of heaven To come to earth as a man. To be humbled and become a servant. To serve humanity through his death on the cross. He chose to be humiliated over and over. Because we have all sinned. All mankind has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the punishment for our sins is death. But because he loves us so much, he was born to die to pay the penalty of our sins for us by dying the most horrible death that could ever take place. He came from the highest glory. To the lowest place of humiliation for us. And for this reason, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The supreme purpose of God the Father today is to glorify Jesus. Colossians 1 says, For in him all things were created. Things as heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Think about this for a moment. The earth is just one planet in our solar system. In the whole Milky Way galaxy, which consists of about 100,000 stars, of which our sun is the average of below the average size of a star. Our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is just one of the many galaxies in the universe. There are so many galaxies within the known universe, but our planet is special for one reason, and for only one reason. Jesus died here. Because of what Jesus has done, God has highly exalted him and given the name above every other name. Jesus humbled himself, but God, but God has exalted him above everything on the earth. The angel told Joseph to call him Jesus Because he will save the people from their sins. He could save us because he was Emmanuel, God, with us. He came and saved us from our sins through the death on the cross. And God exalted his name above every name. There is no other name that has the power of God. No other name that has equal or greater than that of Jesus. And one day, one day, every knee will bow before Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul says that all of heaven knows it and will bow down to him. He says that all of the earth one day will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and will bow down before him. He says that those under the earth will bow before Jesus and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, how I look forward to that day. But how should we today, as followers of Jesus, respond to what Paul is telling us? We must respond with unity in the love of Jesus. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit, focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest. But each of you to the interest of others, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Paul is writing this letter to the followers of Jesus in Philippi as a guide for them. He is telling them to have the attitude of Jesus. He's telling them how Jesus humbled himself and came to us in love. He was constantly giving of himself for those around him. He did nothing to glorify himself, but was selfless, giving to others all that he could. Christmas is a time of giving in response to the greatest gift God gave to us with his one and only son. Christmas should be a time of joy, a time of love. It's when we get together with loved ones. Christmas is a time of unity, and as followers of Jesus, we need to live every day as it's Christmas. We should celebrate the gift God has given to us, and we should be the one in fellowship with the Spirit with one another. We should show mercy and grace to one another and to those outside our walls that Jesus died for. We should have the attitude like that of Jesus, who humiliated himself by becoming a man, living as a servant, and dying on a cross. Jesus came to change the world. And he did. He changed the world. No longer are we in sin and error pining. We are no longer living in a time of darkness, awaiting for a light to be shown. Instead, we are rejoicing. We can be rejoicing because of the salvation that Jesus has brought to us. We celebrate Christmas because it marks the night when Jesus came to be with you and I. It truly is a holy night. In the third verse, it's all wrapped up that Capot wrote. Truly. He taught us to love one another. His law is love. And his gospel. Is peace. Chains shall he break. For the slave. Is our brother. And in his name all oppression. Shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus. Raise we. Let all with us praise His holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. So as we come to His table this morning, Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. His power and glory evermore. Proclaim. And we get to proclaim it. For what He's done for us. Tammy, if you would come.